Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. We are in the book of Romans, and we are looking at one of the most theologically rich books in the Bible. Paul is writing to Rome, knowing that this letter, not knowing that this letter would go around the globe, and it magnifies um, how amazing God's grace is. And he gives us some practical application on how to live life as Christians. 2,000 years later, we are still gleaning from the inspired, infallible, authoritative word of God that through the Holy Spirit was written by Paul. And in Romans chapter 12, he gives us a zinger. This message could not come at a more perfect time in the midst of divisive political climates, in the midst of uncertainty in the economy, in the midst of so much tension, in the midst where the divorce rates have never been higher, in the midst where there's battles for education and battles for freedom and battles for all sorts of things, in the middle of every trial and spiritual warfare season, Paul gives us one verse that you're not going to like, because I didn't like it either. But I think it's the most helpful verse that we could use during this time. So I'm going to read it first. Just brace yourselves. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 18. It is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. <laughs> Let's all say it together. Okay, I want you to muster up some courage. I know you didn't like it. I know you didn't bring your steel-toed boots today to church. But we're going to read it together. Ready? One, two, three. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Father, we love your word. It corrects us. It convicts us. It challenges us. And it changes us. This word lord might not be feel good tickle the ears of the people but it is necessary in times of war for us to make every effort as christians to be at peace with everyone in jesus name amen and amen what i love paul didn't say to live at peace with slow drivers he didn't say to live at peace with unc fans He didn't say to live at peace with your crazy neighbor who never puts their trash cans away. He didn't say to live at peace with Democrats or Republicans. He didn't even say to live at peace with cat owners. He didn't say to live at peace with just yourself. He didn't even say to live at peace with people trying to explain what Bitcoin is. <laughs> the blockchain, don't you know? It's the future. He says, live at peace with everyone. That's hard. Come on, Paul. Give us a way out. Give us a way out to live at peace with only people that we like. Give us a way out to live with people, live at peace with people who voted like we voted. Give us a way out to live at peace with people who are, 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 are Christians. He says, live at peace with everyone. And so you got to declare this today. If you're taking notes, I wrote this down. I am at peace. Because peace starts with me. 
See, peace and people, they don't mix. I would be completely at peace if none of y'all were around. That's just a joke, but I'm in my recliner at home watching Netflix. I'm at peace, man. It's when people intersect with your peace that it becomes a problem. I got peace stranded on an island because I'm on vacation. I got peace on the cruise ship because I'm on vacation. But it's when people intersect with my peace that it becomes a problem. Ministry would be awesome if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> I did some research this week, and since Jesus came 2,000 years ago declaring peace on earth, there have been over 14,553 wars. Oh, averaging over five major conflicts of wars each year. And you might say, well, that just happened when we were barbaric and in the ancient times. And now that the industrial age and we put a man on the moon and now we have the internet at our fingertips, there's no way we're living in war times anymore. Everybody's good. But it seems that the more advanced we get, the more bloodier our world gets. Did you know that just in the last century, over 108 million people have died because of war? crazy. So to stop all the madness in 1945, the United Nations created a goal of world peace. And boy, let me tell you, they've done a great job. <laughs> They're doing an excellent job at creating world peace. Since its existence, there hasn't been a single day on earth with total peace, not one in almost 80 years. I love this quote that I read when I was researching uh, wartime. It says, peace is that glorious brief moment in history when everyone stops to reload. See, we're prone to fight back. We're not prone to be at peace. We want to fight. We gravitate towards war. We gravitate towards fight or flight. We gravitate toward defense and offense. We gravitate towards conflict. Peace is hard to find if you don't have peace of the real kind. A lot of times wars happen because it's people versus people. It's, it's not, you're not mad at something, you're always mad at someone. It's peace is actually derived, the, the war is actually derived from people versus people. They took advantage of me, they lied to me, they cheated, they stole, they said something about me, they didn't show up, they abandoned me at a young age, they abused me at a young age. Whatever it is, the war happens people versus people. Even David, says this in Psalm 120, verse 6. It says, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So if you think that your turmoil or your trial or your lack of peace is a new condition, just understand it's existed for a long, long time. Since the fall of man, we've been after peace, and every time we go after peace, there's always war. I mean, we are always fighting. We are in a fighting culture. We want to fight back. We want to defend. We want to punch people out. And, you know, it's interesting because people get so easily offended and it steals them from their peace. They huffing and puffing because they didn't bring the right honey mustard at, at Chick-fil-A. Instead, they brought honey roasted barbecue instead of honey mustard. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. <laughs> I get offended, man. I mean, you, you get offended by, it's too cold in here, preacher. Well, it's 30 degrees outside. I don't know what to do. You know, try to say, it's too much smoke. I don't know what to do. You get offended, you know. It's like the castaway. There was this guy. He lived on an island for years. 
years. He's, you know, all, beard is all grown out. And he learned to live off the land. And he, the, the rescue boat finally found him on the island. And the captain of the boat pulls up and he says, we're here to rescue you. He says, but before you jump on the boat, he says, why are there three huts on the island? He says, well, that's my house and that's my church and that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> we get offended. But here's what I've learned. You have to know this. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, peace is my responsibility. Peace is my responsibility. The circumstances around me are not indicative of the peace that is within me. Peace is my responsibility. But we are so consumed with winning the argument and winning the war. We're so consumed with sending the reply all with the perfect amount of tone and emoji. We are so want, we, we turn on red receipts so that they know we read the message, but we didn't reply. We are so good in the comment section just pulling up Wikipedia articles to better prove our point. And the issue is with Christians is we are after winning the argument, but the problem is, is aiming to win the argument, we end up losing souls. I wrote it like this. Winning the argument is not as important as winning the soul. I'm trying to be a peacemaker. I'm trying to be at peace, and I'm trying to be a peacemaker. It says in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus calls us to this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You want to be a child of God? You have to be a peacemaker. If you want to be blessed, you have to be a peacemaker. My role is not to be a peacekeeper, but to be a peacemaker. Right. Mm, I'm preaching now. Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, What a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you don't want to hear this about your ex-wife. Yeah. But when a man... When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live in peace with him. So when you walk into the office, you can carry peace with you because peace is your responsibility. When you walk into that family reunion with those people who stabbed you in the back and abandoned you and were not there for you when you needed them most, you bring peace with you. When you walk into a setting or an environment that is that is toxic and, 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 and tormental to your mind and devastating to your character, you bring peace with you because when someone is following God, even his enemies live at peace. That means even people that are against me can live at peace with me because of the peace I have within me. Now, I'm not telling you to stay in an unsafe environment. I'm just trying to keep the peace. If he's hitting you, get out. If there's illegal activity, find a safe place. I'm not saying that peace is a justification for you to become a welcome mat for some chump who you shouldn't have been with to begin with. But what I'm telling you is in certain settings, you bring peace and peace cannot be stolen because they didn't give it to you to begin with. Peace is my responsibility. Peace is my responsibility. It should, it should mark us as Christians. It should, our God is a God of peace. As a matter of fact, 400 references in the Bible about God being a God of peace. 400 references in the Bible. God is tremendously concerned with peace. So how do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. You ask the same question every week and it's so perfect. And you ask it about the same time in the sermon. Every single time after I've, after I've laid out our foundational scripture and I've set the premise, then you ask, how do I do this? I'm so grateful that you asked. 
There are three postures that we need to take as peacemakers. These are the three postures of a peacemaker. How should I live my life? What should I do? Pastor, help me. I want to live at peace with everyone as Paul recommended to the church at Rome. We too want to do that. So we, let's look at the passage again so that we, we know where it came from. Verse 14 and 16 this time. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Some of y'all curse too much. I've been on y'all's Instagram. Okay. <laughs> You don't think I'm watching? Oh, the father always knows. I tell the staff that all the time. If you mess up, I already know. You can just come tell me, but I already know. Bless those who persecute you. I got location services on my kid. I know exactly where y'all are at. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. So the first posture is this. As a peacemaker, I don't give people what they deserve. I give them grace. I don't give people what they deserve. I give them grace. Pastor, you're preaching hard today. Yeah, I figured since it's full, we need some seats. I might just upset a few people. So just kidding. This is hard because... Mean people do dumb things. <laughs> and a lot of times we want to we be, the, the, be the consequence police for the wrongs that have been done in our life. We want to carry around a badge that says, I'm going to give you back what you deserve, not what was given to me already by God. So by the degree by which you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. If you have children, you know how this works. You hear chaos around in their room. You say, what happened? They say, he bit me. What'd you do? I bit him back. I had little kids, you know, my kids are growing up now. Now it's like he unplugged the Wi-Fi. It's other things like that. Smarter things that appropriate for their age. And I thought, okay, now that they're outgrown, I won't have to deal with it anymore. But then I became a pastor. And so-and-so didn't get looped in on the email or they forgot to text me the planning center thing or I forgot this and it's this and this. It's like, hey, we are not the consequence police. It's not you, it's not, we, you don't get what you deserve. We give grace here. Yeah. We are people of grace. As a matter of fact, uh, it says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. What is the standard of forgiveness that believers live in? The forgiveness that we have already received. How much did he save you from? How much did he forgive you for? How much mess and dirt was on? How wretched was I? How blind was I? How deaf was I? How I was wandering far off. My feet were on miry clay, and yet he reached down. He who became, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't do anything to deserve it, yet he forgave me. So in the same measure that you have been forgiven for your sins, you should also forgive others of their grievances towards you. I know it's hard preaching, but it's the truth and it's the word of God in order to be peacemakers. We have to extend the same measure of grace that has been extended to us. And that ain't easy, but it's right. It's right. We have to be people of grace. We have to forgive as the Lord for, forgave us. I am expected to give grace to the same degree that God has given grace to me. 
Let me say that one more time for those at our south location that have already got up and left because I can't even see you leaving. I see it. I am expected to give grace to the same degree that God has given grace to me. Romans 12, 17 through 18 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Ooh, there it goes again with the blanket everyone. Can't we just do what is right in the eyes of people who we like what they do and they like what I do? Like, couldn't I just have my club of people who I associate with and we would determine what is right? That's not what Paul says. Live at peace with everyone and then you have to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Come on, Paul. Can you just give us a break? He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, again, doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries. It doesn't mean that you don't remove yourself from unsafe situations. But it does mean that you don't retreat at the first sign of chaos or conflict. It means that you actively seek peace. As a matter of fact, the second, the second posture that we take is, as a peacemaker, I take the initiative to reconcile broken relationships. Crickets. Doing what is right doesn't mean being passive about broken relationships. It means being aggressive about reconciling broken relationships. I'm on a mission that if there's any conflict between me and a brother, I'm not going to let it slide. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to go unhealed from something that broke my heart. Instead, I'm going to seek healing because I, if not, I'll go to the next relationship and the same thing will happen over and over again because I haven't experienced reconciliation. Many of you are dating the same person you dated before. They just have a different name. It's the same Honda Civic. It's the same Wendy's in the floorboard. It's just a different, a different color. Car. Why? Because you never got healing from what broke you. So you keep seeking out the very thing that destroyed you. So you have to go after aggressively after reconciling. You're, you leave one friend group and you go to another friend group. They're the same. Because you haven't experienced reconciliation. But when you experience reconciliation, you step into a new season where there's healing. And where there's healing, you're becoming whole. And when you are whole, God can make you new. And when you are new, the old is gone. And the new has come. you got to aggressively pursue reconciliation. I mean, I, there was a time in my life where I'd just leave people on red, you know, and just like, all right, they'll find another church or whatever. You know, it's like, that, that's stupid. Because I'm not doing anything. I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting myself if I don't pursue reconciliation. I'm hurting myself if I don't have that conversation. If I don't confront, I care enough about our relationship to confront any brokenness that might exist in it. So if I've wronged you intentionally or unintentionally, I want to aggressively pursue reconciliation. See, here's what happens. Here, here's the options that you have when a relationship is broken. You can release it and forget it and never address it. You can go after revenge, king his car, slashing his tires. I think there's a country music song about that. When he cheats or something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Girls are like, oh yeah, I've been there, you know? You can go leave a bad Yelp review on his small business, you know? This pressure washing company sucks, you know? <laughs> you can get revenge. 
Or you can aggressively pursue reconciliation. You can release it and ignore it, but you'll go unhealed. You can fight back, which will cause you more turmoil and more pain and more destruction. Or you can say, I am pursuing reconciliation. Sometimes it doesn't mean that you'll land on the same page. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you have to all agree and be back in alignment. But what it does is it seals your heart from the brokenness that once was. That's what reconciliation does. Do we have it all figured out? No, but we're at least being reconciled to one another. And in order for you to actually be reconciled to one another, you have to actually pursue reconciliation with God. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting on people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, representatives, as though we were as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you as on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God be reconciled to God so the question i wrote in my notes and it won't be on the screen but maybe you can write this down what broken relationship is the holy spirit leading you to reconcile today what broken relationship is the holy spirit leading you to reconcile today I'll just let it sit for a couple seconds. What broken relationship? The Holy Spirit, I'm not telling you to reconcile with your father. The Holy Spirit's revealing them to you right now. I'm not telling you to go to that best friend. The Holy Spirit's revealing that to you right now. Who is it? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Romans 12, 20 through 21, it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on your head. You're like, yeah, 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 I like that part. But then it says this, <laughs> verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm going to be a peacemaker. We're going to be a peacemaker church. There's going to be an abundance of peace in this house. There's not going to be church drama. We're not going to fight over petty things. We're going to pursue lost people like Jesus pursued them. We're going to pursue the presence of God like the early church pursued him. We're going to see signs, miracles, wonders, demons cast out. We will be peacemakers. I'm not interested in petty things. I'm interested in doing the best I can to remain at peace with God and with my fellow man. The last posture is this, is as a peacemaker, you ready? I have a hard time saying it. Active, actively love the difficult people. That's like eating broccoli as a kid. You can't get up out of that chair until you finish your broccoli. You, we can't get up out of that seat till you read this verse. As a peacemaker, I actively love difficult people. Don't nudge your neighbor. Wives are just, as a peacemaker, I actively love Cowboys fans. As a peacemaker, as a peacemaker, I actively love difficult people. Why do I actively love difficult people? Because I understand that reconciliation leads to peace, and peace always comes at a price. What's, how much does a piece cost you? Well, probably a plane ticket to see your family that you haven't seen in several years. Maybe a phone call and not just a happy birthday card, but instead a, a random act of kindness or a random call. 
Maybe it was admitting that you were wrong. It might mean that you invite them over for Easter coming up in a couple months. It maybe mean that you meet them for coffee. But let the process of reconciliation start with you. Don't expect people to come to you. You aggressively go to them. You actively love difficult people. I will actively love difficult people. I refuse to be known as a guy who only loves people who are easy to love. Of course I love you. You voted like I did. Of course I love you. You do the things that I do. Of course I love you. Believe what I believe. That's not what Paul is saying here. He says live at peace with everyone. Well, then I'll just wait till they apologize. No, that's not what peacemakers do. They walk into the room and they carry peace with them. They don't wait for peace to come from the outside. They have peace within them. As a matter of fact, I I have a a, a little closing illustration. There are um, two two balloons here. Thank you very much. And what's interesting is one is full of helium and one is not. I've met so many people who don't have the peace of God. They come into church and they're like, oh, praise God. I'm just down today, Pastor. Life is just so hard. Have you seen the news? It's like just flopping around. You know, it's interesting is I meet meet other people who are going through some challenges that I couldn't even articulate to you because you would never be able to relate to the immense challenge. But as soon as the enemy tries to push them down, they tend to rise back up. What's the difference between these two balloons? One has helium and one has one of our staff members' bad breath. (laughs) But it's not on the outside that is the difference. It's not the circumstances of the air or the vents or the fan. It's not that the the intake uh, vent is taking one balloon up and pushing another one down. The reason this balloon is more resilient to gravity is not because of anything that's on the outside. It's because of what's on the inside. That means I can walk into a setting where they didn't like me before, but I got peace on the inside. And all I'm going to do, I refuse to be depressed, lonely, anxious, all by myself, and just wondering when is good going to come. But instead, whenever there's a weapon formed against me, I will prosper. Nothing can keep me down. Nothing can keep me silent. Nothing can keep me held down. Why? Not because it's not bad around me, but because of what I've got in me is greater than what is around me. That means I can get a cancer diagnosis and I can still come up to the top. That means that my marriage can be going through a rough patch, but I got peace on the inside. That means my children can be running away from God, but I got peace on the inside and I refuse to let it take me down because my peace comes from within. Would you give God some praise today at all of our locations? At all of our locations, would you stand to your feet? Here's what it says. Isaiah 9. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The measure of peace that God gives is a royal measure of peace. It's a, it's a prince level of peace. I'm not dealing with peasant peace today. The peace that God gives is royalty. And in a world where there's no peace, I'm not looking for it to come from a substance. I'm not looking for it to come from, from any relationship here on earth. It comes from within. And many of you have been trying to satisfy your desires with peace on the outside, but it's, it's about peace on the inside. And since peace lives with me and in me, I can carry peace around me. At all of our locations, can we just bow our heads and open up our hands? I just think we need a measure of peace today. I think there's something in the room today that's turning your anger around. It's turning your depression around. It's turning your despair around. It's turning your outlook around. The situation might not change miraculously, but your perspective can change miraculously. There's not going to be a million dollars magically that shows up into your bank account, but you can look at your bank account and say, I have peace, the same peace that if it had a million dollars in the bank account. You can look at a diagnosis and it might remain the same today. But you can be at peace with it, not because the diagnosis has changed, but because the peace within you has changed your perspective. Father, we need a measure of peace like never before. We need a measure of peace. Peace be with you today. Peace be on you today. And peace be in you today. Every heart that's broken, reconciliation come into the room right now. Every heart that's broken, reconciliation flow in the room right now. Every person who's been damaged by a traumatic relationship, I pray reconciliation right now. Peace of God right now over that first marriage. Peace of God right now over that mistake that you made decades ago that's haunting you. Don't let the enemy steal your peace. Thanks again for joining us, and thank you to those who give generously to make the ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at MyFocusChurch. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.